contrary to popular belief, professionalism is not dead on football and other F-words. Welcome back to Broadway Sports Radio. My name is Zach Lyons. This is Michael Herndon. We are brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can also find unfiltered opinions about all things Tennessee Titans and maybe a little bit about other stuff over at Football and Other F-Words. Go download our podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. You will not regret it. Unless you played in the ki- the car for your kids, then you may l- regret it a little bit. But, <laughs> but you know, it is called football and other F-words, so don't say we didn't warn you. Mike, the tag deadline was this week. It was on March, oh, what was March 9th, and it's ended at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, as most things do in the NFL, end at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. And... About an hour before, maybe a little bit earlier than that, we got word that the Tennessee Titans were not going to use its franchise tag, specifically on Johnny Smith, which we both sort of predicted that they would. And, you know, after the Isaiah Wilson fiasco, we spent most of the day on Tuesday having to defend John Robinson. And then he goes and does a couple of things that we probably understand but probably disagree with one thing out of his control, but the tag, why not use the tag on Johnny Smith? And why do, how has Johnny Smith become the most underrated Titans player? And now apparently the most overrated Titans player in one short month, it feels like. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. You know, the Johnny Smith thing, I, when the, when we originally started talking about the franchise tag, I thought that they would not use it on anybody because I I thought the numbers were a little high for pretty much everyone in their free agency class. Like you certainly didn't think one year, 16.4 million ish uh, was going to be a good value for Corey Davis, right? Like he's just not quite that level of receiver. Um, Same goes for Jayon Brown, like one year, 15 million, not going to happen for, for an inside linebacker like Jam Brown. John, who I thought was the closest. So the franchise tag number for tight ends was like close to 10 million ish. Um, we don't even really know what the franchise tag numbers really are because we don't know what the salary cap finally really is. Um, but either way, it was going to be around 10 million. And I thought, you know, that's a little bit of a stretch for, for John U. Smith, but I would have been comfortable with him around, you know, somewhere around an $8 million a year average uh, from a, a salary standpoint. So I'm like, eh, it's not a huge reach. And if that means you are locking in that you get to keep him uh, in, in a market where I don't think there's a ton of attractive tight end free agents out there. Like Hunter, Hunter Henry also was not tagged by the chargers. He's going to be the other kind of big name. And then you've got some older guys like Jared cook, you know, technically Gronk is a free agent, but Gronk is, is either going back to Tampa Bay or going back to wrestling. Like he, there's no way he's going, going anywhere else uh, without Tom Brady. So, you know, it is, um, I thought, it would have been a good move to, to tag Johnny Smith. Now my, 
you know, hope would be maybe this is an indication that they feel like they're close on a long-term deal anyways, and that they didn't need the extra protection of the franchise tag. Because ultimately, I don't think anyone at the end of the day would have been super happy about Johnny Smith playing on the franchise tag. Like the Titans only have about what, 16, $17 million of cap space right now, according to spot track. Um, and that may come in a little bit less if, if depending on where the salary cap lands. Yes, and that that's kind of in flux. So soaking up more than half of that on Johnu Smith w- would be a little bit tough. You know, obviously they can create more cap space via several different uh, avenues that that we've talked about. But um, the the point is $10 million for a one year and there's no place to hide the money, right? Like that's the problem with any one year deal in this salary cap room or this salary cap season is everyone's pitched for cap money. You cannot hide money in a one year deal. Like you can't kick the can down the road. You can't, you know, buy it now and pay for it later uh, like you can with a long-term deal. Um, So I guess maybe they just looked at it and said, well, we don't want to, we don't want him to play on the tag. So we're not going to assign him to the tag. We're just going to continue to pursue the long-term deal. Um, but obviously the risk is that, you know, he ends up playing it out, waiting until March 15th, and then some team knocks his socks off with a, a huge market or a huge offer and he goes elsewhere, you know? So um, I think they're putting a little bit of trust in, in Janu in that, you know, I, I definitely think he's a guy that they want back. So I, I would imagine John Robinson's had the, you know, Hey, go get offers and come back to us and we'll, we'll try to make something work. I, I think that's a dangerous move. And if you, if that was the move, you transition tag him. Mm. I mean, that that's to me is what you do because it's the cheaper of the tag. And then you let him go out and do that. And then you work your deal from there. Cause at least you have a chance to match. I mean, you, you would have to rely on good faith for him to come back and say, okay, here's my offer. You have to match it. But I mean, there are a lot of people that are going to line up for John Lee Smith, even though he's apparently a easily replaceable tight end, according to Titans fans, who have no idea what they're talking about. I mean, that's just let's just put it out there. These people see, oh, he's never reached over 500 yards. They completely ignore the touchdowns. By the way, he has yeah. nine total touchdowns last year. Well, who nine. cares about touchdowns? Those are only yeah, yeah. on the scoreboard. You know, you know. Nine total touchdowns, me and with the way that the Tennessee Titans have played close games, that's at least one or two wins that we may not have seen the Titans achieve if it wasn't that John who scored those touchdowns and miss me. Listen, we love Anthony Ferkser. I we've had we were we, the we, first, first on the Ferkser we were train. The first. Listen, we were the first. We've had him on our show. There are limits to Anthony Ferkser's game. And there's a reason why that he had, you know, I believe 50 something targets and, you know, he only had like 200 something yards and he only had one touchdown. That is a huge difference. Those touchdowns matter. And there is not, listen, you can throw Hunter Henry at me. Okay. Well, if Johnny Smith's too expensive, Hunter Henry is going to be more expensive more than likely. And then you and can, he's hurt all the time. Yeah, he's hurt all the time. He doesn't block. Miss me with that Hunter Henry is better. If, if in our offense, Hunter Henry is not going to be as good as what Johnny Smith is in our offense. And then on top of that, you have people trying to say, well, you could get Kyle Pitts. 
Well, he's no. more expensive, but in a different way because not only are you going to have to pay him guaranteed money and probably trade up to get him, which means if you trade up to get him, you are going to have to pay him a little bit higher of a contract than you would at someone at 22, but he doesn't block as well as Johnny Smith. Okay, let's let's understand that. And secondly, you're going to have to give up draft picks. And have you seen our roster, people? Kyle Pitts is not a realistic option. So I'm trying to stay realistic here when I talk about that there isn't a tight end in this draft class or the free agent market that can do what Jonu Smith does year one. Now, you may be able to get a Brevin Jordan or Tommy Trimble or even a Trey McKitty, and they may eventually turn into Jonu Smith. But if you're talking Super Bowl windows... That doesn't help you. No. And if you even if you ran out with Kyle Rudolph and Anthony Ferkser, Kyle Rudolph is you're getting half the ability of Johnny Smith and Kyle Rudolph. You're maybe getting a guy that's going to get you maybe a hundred more yards. Doubtful, uh, in my opinion. And he may, but he's only going to get you three touchdowns, four touchdowns. And he's not nearly as good a blocker. Right, and basically when he's out there, you're more than likely going to run it. Or if he's not out there, then you got Jeff Swaim out there and you're more than likely going to run it. Johnny Smith allows you to hide and mask play calls. He he has the ability to actually take a handoff in the backfield and run it for 75 yards. We saw it before. I'm like you, Mike. They have till March 17th, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, to work out deals with all of their unrestricted free agents. And I am I'm hopeful that this does mean that they are going to get a deal done before free agency. But a year ago this time, everyone was talking about how underrated Johnny Smith was and how he was going to have a breakout year. Newsflash, he had his breakout year, in my opinion. If it wasn't for Taylor Lewan going down and then Tyson Brelo going down, Jonu Smith would have almost, probably had the most touchdowns of any tight end. He was very close this time. Travis Kelsey yeah. had 11 total touchdowns. Jonu Smith had nine. Travis Kelsey. I mean, give me a break. It, he was trending towards having a record-breaking tight end year for, or he would have, he was go, trending towards some elite tight end numbers this year yeah. until those those injuries went down because I was keeping up with it on fantasy football, right? I was projecting out, and he was he was going crazy at the beginning of the year, and he has undeniable chemistry with the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. They, they yeah. trained all the time. They trained all – they have undeniable chemistry. I don't get why people want to downplay what Johnny Smith does just because he doesn't get a lot of yardage his touchdown, every time he catches, if he took his touchdowns and his receptions, he scored, he had a chance to, he scored basically a touchdown percentage of 19%. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. He's yeah. a vault. He's a, he's a high, highly productive red zone target. He got all of his touchdowns in the red zone. You know who's got one red zone touchdown? Anthony Ferkser. Because Luke Warsham, who we talked about in the previous segment, who did the Isaiah Wilson uh, timeline for us that we read for the, the fine folks down here in the Muscle Shoals area, 
he said, well, Ferkser gives you just as much as what Janu does in the red zone. No, I totally sense. disagree with that. No, John Johnny is very much a red zone target. He's very much an explosive element. He's a he's a chess piece. Like, and that's the thing. And and if you talk to any offensive coordinator, like they will tell you, look, I want guys who are versatile because that allows me to keep the same personnel on the field and be able to run the full playbook. So I'm not having to bring in, like, I'm not, I'm not going to send in, all right, Michael Pruitt's coming in on this play. So we know we're going to run the ball. Uh, and then Anthony Ferkser's in on this play. So now we're throwing it like they're, they don't want to have to tip their hand by personnel as to what they're doing. John New Smith allows them to, to avoid doing that. And, Ferkser, I I think he's a, a really nice player. And like you said, we've we've always been pro Ferkser. He's more of a Adam Humphreys replacement than he is a Johnny Smith replacement. The the dude is a jumbo slot receiver. It is what he is, it is what his role is. That is why he always comes in on, on third downs. He's very good at it. He's good at getting separation. He's got great hands, obviously, great at contested catch uh, opportunities in those little short areas in the middle of the field. That's extremely valuable. I'm super excited uh, to see him have that role again. And they, they, you know, absolutely, you know, should, should be continuing to find ways to involve him in the offense, but he is not a tight end one. He cannot block. They, they do not ask him to block because he cannot block. Do you know how many pass block snaps he took last year? Uh, what, maybe 10? Two. Two pass blocks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't you you can't replace it. You I mean it you can. I mean, you have to do the thing that you talked about uh on football and other efforts uh, a couple weeks ago where you you do the trench coat where you have three kids in the <laughs> trench coat that to be as tall as Shaquille O'Neal. If you have to put two players to get one Johnny Smith out on the field on the same time, then you're missing another player. They could yeah, be out on the field. Playing right? with a hand behind, hand tied yeah. behind your back, basically. I mean, like, why do I need to have, you know, and, and people are so wrapped up in that $10 million, right? They're, they're so wrapped up in that, oh, well, if we tag him, it's going to be, you know, $8 million or $10 million, and we, he's just not worth that. Well, yeah, that's why more than likely you would do what you did with Derrick Henry and renegotiate it and do an extension. Yeah, if anything, like the tag would have simply just been a placeholder for a deal until they could get one done. And that's really kind of how I envisioned it going. But I don't know. I, I'm still hopeful that they get a deal done with with it. I think you've got to bring back either him or Corey Davis, at least like both would be wonderful if they could find a way to, to finagle all that in and still be able to add pass rusher uh, and go get a corner and, and stuff like that, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, I you've got to find a way to bring one of these two guys back, in my opinion. Because if you just go out there and say, "All right, well, we're just going to go get Kyle Rudolph and Marvin Jones and call them uh, John U. Smith and Corey Davis," eh, that ain't really going to fly, right? Like that—that's a clear downgrade um, at both spots, and and you're getting older now. The Titans, like I agree with you, the, the win the win now window is open. Like this is it. Like this year, next year. 2021, 2022, that's when you go for it with this roster as it's currently constituted. Four 30-plus starters on the offensive line. Ryan Tannehill's 33. Derrick Henry is 27 and, and starting to accumulate a lot of carries on his body. Um, A.J. Brown is still in his rookie contract in that time period. 
he's going to be a $25 million a year player probably uh, by 2025. So uh, this is the time to strike with this group. You know, I, this is why you bring back a guy like Johnny Smith, a guy like Corey Davis. They know what they know, the offense, they know the parts and pieces around them. They can fit right in and they give you the best chance to win in 2021 and 2022. And that's what the Titans should be absolutely focused on laser focused on this offseason. You know, getting Kyle Rudolph, who we know that uh, Todd Downing, the current offensive coordinator, did coach, you know, over in Minnesota, that position coach. Getting Kyle Rudolph is, is a definite downgrade for the Tennessee Titans. It's like yes, grabbing – and listen, and I, I thought Anthony Fasano did a great job in 2015 when we got him, but it's basically just getting Anthony Fasano. You may get one or two touchdowns a year out of him, and he's mainly going to be blocking. He's not really that good uh, blocking. You know, I mean, you know, give me a, a break. I, I, I think that we are perfectly rating John Lee Smith and understand that what he does, but I'm shocked. Maybe I shouldn't be shocked at this point because it is Titans Twitter. And how many people think that he's just so easily replaced? And the people that they talk about to replace him with are, are not realistic options. Like, I just don't yeah. think Hunter Henry's realistic. Kyle Pitts isn't realistic. I mean, just give me a break. Johnny Smith means a lot to this offense about a lot what they can do. And it's a lot of stuff that maybe is just hard for people to see because it's not tangible on a stat sheet. Disappointed, but it is what it is. So moving forward, we are in the next segment segment are going to be talking about Malcolm Butler, that cut, what that means for the Tennessee Titans going into the future. What can we expect looking ahead because of this cut with the Tennessee Titans in the offseason? So stay tuned because we'll be right back. Welcome back to Broadway Sports Radio. My name is Zach Lyons, joined here by Michael Herndon. You may be wondering where Michael Gillum is at. He has had uh, some work meetings this morning, so we are filling in for him. Hopefully, I'm doing an admirable job filling in for that beautiful voice of his. And hey, you may hear him at Titans games. You never know, because we do know that he may or may not have applied for the new PA position over for the Tennessee Titans. That'd be pretty good for him. We, we need that to happen. We, need we that do to need happen. that to happen. Okay, Mike, bad news. Depending on who you are and how you view it, uh, he was due $14 million cap hit. We thought that he would get uh, restructured, and apparently if, if they tried, he did not want to restructure. That would be the he in question would be Malcolm Butler, the best defensive player on the Tennessee Titans last, last year. Granted, it was a low bar, but he was actually playing at a high level league wide, not just Titans wide. And he's been a steady force, a leader in a locker room, great personality, has that swagger to him. He generates turnovers in multiple ways. He is gone. And now, obviously, it saves us $10 million against the cap. The, the next thing is, is that everybody should know the average cap space per team which in 2021, it is currently about $13 uh, million is the average cap space, which we fall a little bit above that. The 2020 average cap space was $43.33 million. So huge dip, obviously. This was courtesy of Good Morning Football this morning. Malcolm Butler is gone. Now, we may differ 
on who is the better defensive back between Adoree Jackson and Malcolm Butler right now. And that's fine. We won't get into that. But let's talk about what, what do we feel about John Robinson's decision to cut bait with Malcolm Butler? I guess Malcolm Butler probably forced his hand. Smart move by Malcolm. Do you think he's going to be able to get maybe higher than what he would have been able to get, you know, with the Tennessee Titans if they did a restructure? Yeah. So I, I'm disappointed that Butler's gone first and foremost, because say, say what you want about him. And, and yeah, he, he was a little bit of a gambler at times and, and got burnt, especially early in, in his Titans career. But I thought after he kind of settled in and, you know, really about six or seven games into, into his Titans tenure, from that point on, he was certainly an above average corner. And and to me, one of the most fun guys to watch on the defense, just because I love the way he plays football. Like he plays with that like junkyard dog mentality. He's in the guy's face after every pass, whether he breaks it up or they catch it, he's in the guy's face, letting them know he's, you know, chirping at everybody. He's playing hard. He's, you know, physical. He comes up and makes tackles. He's not afraid of, you know, helping in the run game. He does everything the way that I would want a cornerback on my team to do it. Like that is, that is the kind of corner I like to watch play football. Um, and, and he had some magnificent games. Like if you go back and watch, uh, you know, the, the Julio Jones, um, game in 2019 uh when when the titans played the falcons watch the matchup between butler and julio jones throughout that game butler gave him the business all game i mean absolutely was stoning him at the line of scrimmage with his his press jams it, it was fantastic to watch so i'm going to miss watching him play now i certainly understand 14.2 million dollars for a 31 year old cornerback is not good value. And that's really true no matter who the cornerback is. Like, I, I don't think Stephon Gilmore, who's 30 years old, is probably – I don't think he's probably worth $14.2 million per year uh, or $14.2 million in one year uh, right now. Um, and he's Defensive Player of the Year two years ago, right? So, I, I understand not wanting – him on your books at that rate what i was hoping like you mentioned was that they'd find some middle ground because malcolm butler had zero guaranteed money on his contract for this year as far as i mean he he still has a cap charge but that's just leftover signing Signing bonus uh that that they still have to account for um but there's no new money going to him like they were out of this thing scot-free uh as of this year and that's why i kind of always felt like this was going to be the year that they moved on until he played so well last year um but 12.2 million dollars was what he was set to earn now there were some incentives in there i think uh like workout bonuses roster bonuses stuff like that so certainly not necessarily guaranteed all that but i think the minimum he was going to get was about 10 point two um as far as his base salary so that's a lot of money for him um now the titans i can understand wanting to get that number down and with the cap situation they certainly needed to get that number down to some degree but butler 
is not going to earn $12.2 million this year from any other team. Like even if he goes out and, and signs another two or three year deal with somebody, I just don't see any way he's getting near that money. I mean, I guess maybe if he can get somebody to give him a really big signing bonus and a bunch of void years and stuff like that, but he's 31, like, no, uh, it, it would be very irresponsible for a team to go out and give him a deal that's got more than like one or two years max. But he's a young 31 because he got his start late in the NFL compared to most other players. I mean, his start in the NFL came at the age of 24. That's roughly about two to three years older than what most people are. And I understand that, you know, the body comes, works in mysterious ways. Right. Sure. But like, he's only really played, uh, is either six and a half or five and a half years because of injury as a yeah. full-time starter. And so like, to me, that's, that's still relatively young for a cornerback like that. I, I agree. I don't think that he's going to get anywhere near the money that he could have gotten guaranteed at least for the, with the Tennessee times. I'd be very surprised, but we're talking about a guy who plays at a really high level. And now, you know, we've created this hole this this Tennessee Titans now has a hole at cornerback. Yes, you could maybe get William Jackson, but I feel like he would command more money than Malcolm Butler, right? I mean, wouldn't he? And then he, well, you could get maybe he, someone in the draft, but is that going to pan out? We don't, Jackson, we don't know. Jackson would definitely be more expensive overall. And, and most importantly, he would give you three Jacksons in your cornerback room, which would drive me nuts. So... Uh, between William, Dory, and Chris. Like, that's way too oh, yeah, many Jacksons. Chris. Like, you'd almost have, like, a full Jackson 5, like, cornerback situation going on, which would be weird. Um, but William Jackson, I do really like him as a fit. And you could do some things, like, as far as, like, a long-term deal, manipulate the cap. Like, what we've seen teams do already is, like, the Bucks signed Levante David to an extension uh, yesterday or earlier this week. Um his cap hit this year is going to be $3.5 million because they're adding void years onto the into this thing. They're just artificially lowering his cap hit for this year and this year only because they know the cap hit's going down this year. Everybody's in a pinch. Next year, it's going to go up with the new TV money rolling in and, and full stadiums this fall, most likely. I, I think it's it's smart to do this kind of thing this year because – if you, if you, especially if you're a team that's, that considers yourself a contender, which the Titans should consider themselves a contender, you should be doing stuff like this to try to maximize your chance to make a run this year and, and then pay for it later. Like, I mean, pay for it when the cap is, is. Well, let me ask you a question. Even if they, if they did that, you would think Malcolm Butler would accept, right? Cause he knows he's getting the money. So do you even, now I'm kind of questioning, do you think they even approached him? Cause we know apparently with your Casey, they didn't so, even return a phone call. Same with Logan Ryan. Do you do? You, I would think they would, but they have proven that they just kind of do stuff to do stuff. So, so I would say, so there's a difference, right? Like I, I think it, I would feel more comfortable burying money later on in like years two, three, four down the road with William Jackson, who's 28 versus Butler, who's 31. Like, I don't want to be, taking a big cap charge for a 34 year old cornerback in three years like that. But, that's I mean, what's a big cap charge when you look at the void years? I mean, it's typically what four or $5 million. I mean, is that really a big cap charge in the big scheme of things? I mean, it's not huge, but especially with I, the, it going up. Cause they're not borrowing years from the sa- future salary cap. So, I mean, 
like I don't know. Like, I, I is definitely, that really big? I definitely think there's like a middle ground. Like, I feel like yeah. there was a middle ground that the Titans should have pursued, and maybe they did pursue. And and frankly, if I'm Malcolm Butler and I'm coming off the year I just had, where like he was like uh, towards the top of the Pro Bowl voting at one point, and and he was um certainly one of the better players on the Titans defense and John Robinson comes to me after that season when I was like maybe the only good player on your terrible defense and says hey we want you to take a pay cut I'm gonna probably not feel great about that right like I I almost but wonder it's technically if, probably wouldn't be a pay cut right like technically be getting paid um, the same just paid differently he's getting paid up front let me ask depends you this. on how they do it yeah let me ask you this if it comes out that they didn't even approach Malcolm Butler and they just cut him, you know, yeah. like they did with Jarrell Casey's trade, and pretty much they never returned Logan Ryan's phone calls. What? How do you feel about that? What What do you I mean, feel about that move? That would be if, that would be disappointing to me. Um, now I want to see what like the overall plan is. Like I know a lot of people are freaking out on on Twitter this week just because you know no franchise tag for Davis or Janu. Everybody assumes that they're gone now, which I, I think is a let me say this just real quick. 2020's plan was very bad. So it, it I was. Think there, it was. I think no there should be like, a little bit of, of, of I think I'm, there is I'm a not, cause I'm for not, a little bit of panic. Listen, I'm not saying trust right. the plan blindly. I'm just yeah. saying, like, let's see what it is. Like, because I, you know, John Robinson has had great plans. Like his 2019 offseason was fantastic. That set them on the course to what they've been the last two years, which is a legit, you know, Super Bowl contender type team. Um, so he's, he's been really good in the past last year, a complete disaster outside of the Tannehill and Henry extensions. Um, so, but let's see what the plan is. Like everyone's freaking out because, because, you know, they're assuming no Corey Davis, they're assuming no Johnny Smith. They know, you know, no, no Malcolm Butler. Those are three good players from last year that, that they could be without next year. Um, I, I still tend to think they're going to end up working something out with either Davis or Smith. There's just no way I see them not re-signing anyone, right? Um, but let's see what the full plan is before we like fully toss John Robinson into the flames. Because we do this every offseason. Like a little bit of bad news comes out or the Titans don't sign someone within like five minutes of free agency opening and everyone goes, what are the Titans doing? They're just sitting there doing nothing. They don't have a plan. You know, they, they freak out and, and go crazy. And then it ends up working out like, you know, last year, even though the plan ended up sucking, I think most people were pretty excited about what the Titans roster looked like when they added Jadavian Clowney right before uh, the season opened and stuff like that. I think a lot of people were very bullish on what the potential was uh even though it didn't end up working out so i have he, have some patience let's see what the plan looks like before we just totally bash him as an idiot well i, I will say this and and kind of switching gears a little bit i'm a little worried about this titans defense as it sits right now oh how could you not be <laughs> but, but also because our longest tenured as a titan player on this defense is kevin byard and he was drafted oh, in 2016. Well, Daquan, Daquan, unless they, Daquan's unless they not on the team. Him. I mean, well, that's the is, thing. He is you today. He is we, today. I mean, let's let's be realistic. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about until I see someone signed, they're they're not on this team, right? Yeah. I mean, we know that Jayon's yeah. probably not coming back. We, you know, and everything, but he's technically the longest tenured Titan on this team. And then on, on no, defense, on defense, yeah. no Malcolm Butler. There's a leader gone. 
it obviously Daquan Jones can more is more than likely gone. I and he's a guy that I thought that would be a Titan for life. This is not a then it's Kevin Byard and then it's uh, Rashawn Evans. Those are the two longest tenured and uh, Rashawn Evans and no Adore Jackson and Rashawn Evans. So that's not a good nucleus of leadership and. We saw them struggle last year with communication issues and a lack of leadership and accountability far-reaching, even with Daquan Jones there. I'm very worried in that respect because I don't see... I mean, if you even if you bring in Ryan Kerrigan, is that enough? Like, I don't feel there's enough leadership and veteran presence on this defense for us to get to make the jump from, like, 30 in the thirties on ranked defense to maybe closer to 20. Like when we may get to see them get to like 27 or 28 next season. <laughs> like well, I, I, I certainly understand your concern, but let me, let me throw a little devil's advocate argument okay. out here for you. I know you're right. the company man. So that's why I'm coming to you. Oh, well, so if the Titans had brought back a big chunk of their awful putrid stinky 2020 defense, wouldn't we all be sitting here going, wait, they're just running it back with these guys? Like bringing in some fresh blood, bringing in some guys that from the outside, maybe not the worst thing. Like, I mean, let, let's try something different with this defense because if they're telling, and not that I agree with this, but if Mike Vrabel is telling us that it is not Shane Bowen's fault, it is the player's fault, and that's what he did by his actions, uh, not necessarily his words, but – if that's what he's telling us, then yeah, they need to go get new players. Yeah, right? but was like, it Malcolm Butler's fault? I guess. I, no, <laughs> I, and, and that's that's the like that's why I'm saying it's just like devil's advocate here. But yeah, like, yeah. I do think there's some argument that like, all right, let's go out and get some fresh blood in here and, and see what it looks like. Let's shake it up a little bit and, and try something different. So like, I just worry because of you know the off season's going to be a little bit more complicated than what it even was last off season. And Maybe. you're bringing in so much fresh blood. I think they're going to have like OTAs and mini camp yeah. and stuff like that. I think they're going to end up having like more off season activities. Okay, so you, you think it's going to go opposite last year. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I, Cause I mean, they, they didn't really meet in person until training camp and they, that was a delayed start on training camp last year too. So I, it's going to be a different think, Tennessee Titans team, like all the way through. It's going to look so oh, weird. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, the, on defense. Now, the offense, assuming they bring back at least one of Davis or Jono, the offense is going to look pretty similar. I mean, you might get another piece or two out, uh, you know, from the draft or from free agency. You know, obviously they're going to do something at wide receiver uh, in free agency, but – the offense will look pretty similar. The defense is going to look way different, which is probably what you want, right? Like you want the the good piece to stay good and the bad piece to look different. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty striking. I think what, what we see happen over the next uh, next week or so with, with this roster. So do you think it's going to trend towards the Titans spending more in free agency on defense at this point? And then offense is going to be either, maybe some lesser free agent signings and a, and a huge draft on offense. So what, what do you kind of feel about what they're, if you had to choose what, or choose to uh, decide what their game plan is going to be like, if you're betting money, what is their yeah. game plan you feel like right now? 
I think they're gonna I think they're gonna pursue top of the market pass rushers. I think that is like the clear need. I think everyone's identified that. I think they're gonna be in the mix uh in that market, you know, with the you know, Yannick Ngakwe's, the Carl Lawson's, the Shaq Barrett's, if he doesn't get anything done with uh with Tampa Bay over the next week. I think that's where they're going to spend their biggest chunk of money. I, I think they're gonna spend on defense and maybe draft on offense um kind of in that way now they may spend a little bit on offense because there's no way you're entering the draft with aj brown and cameron batson as, as your uh top two receivers on on the roster so they're gonna do something there but yeah i, I think it's mostly a defensive spend what about you that's kind of where i'm leaning towards they may get like one modest free agent signing on the offense but i think they're mainly going to go through defense because when you really look at it it's better on defense to build that way. I mean, if you look at you still need to draft young guys to eventually overtake some of these free agents and some of pending free agents to begin with. But when you really look at this defensive free uh, defensive draft class, it's, it's a little bit of a crap shoot. And so I think you got to take your chances with uh, the guys of free agency. I'm going to throw a name out there and I want you to, I want you to tell me how you feel because we have, heard that the Titans have been linked to this player in the past, Richard Sherman. How do you feel about Richard Sherman who did get injured last year yeah. coming, coming to the Tennessee Titans to feel that fill that void of Malcolm Butler. Is he more Jonathan Joseph or is he more <laughs> Malcolm Butler? So Richard Sherman can still play. So I don't think he's Jonathan Joseph. And he's smart. I think that's the thing that people yeah. don't realize is that he may not be fast, but he's got the attitude and the brains to, to play at a, at a higher level. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I really think. And he Sherman, negotiates his own contract. So, you know, it's going to be really bad. That's true. I, I do. I do think Sherman is interesting. I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if he'd be my like favorite choice for them just be, simply because like my vision of what I think their vision is for their defense is they want to be a heavy man coverage team that can mix it up in the front and bring extra pressure with blitzers and linebackers and stuff like that and I, I think that's the way that they've uh, built their roster like uh, I think that's what they view Adoree Jackson as I think that's what they view Christian Fulton as I think they need a third corner who can match up and play man to man. Uh, they played, I think over 50% man coverage last year, which was one of the highest rates in the entire NFL. I think that's what they need is, is to go get someone like that. And I'm not sure Richard Sherman is that guy. He's been a cover three guys whole career basically, but I don't know. I, I I'd be open-minded to it, I guess. All right. Well, that will do it for us here at Broadway sports radio on Fox sports shows. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the whole show. We are brought to you by Broadway Sports Radio or BroadwaySportsMedia.com. So go get your subscription over there today. I'm Zach Lyons. You can follow us, follow me at FWordsPod, and you can go to Football and Other FWords wherever you get your podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow Mike at Mike Miracles. We have all kinds of Titans takes and Titans facts and videos and highlights on our Twitter feed. So give us a follow to stay up to date with all the Titans news that will come out over the next few weeks. For BroadwaySportsMedia.com, Broadway Sports Radio, we are out.
Broadway Sports Media Production.